Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are Qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacey.com for information about the podcast, uh, to find the show notes and other things and bits and things and things. Yeah. Things and bits and bobs and I, new pants, like please, and all that. I have not seen you for ages, Emily. I mean, it's been a week, but like... I know. I feel like it's that? been more than a week, but it hasn't, has it? Yeah, no, it feels like it's been like a month. We definitely we, recorded a podcast last we week, did. didn't we? I, did we? Yeah, we did. We did. We? I think we did. Yeah. Maybe this ago. week just feels like it's just gone on forever. Well, you've been away and we haven't really texted, which we normally message quite a lot, don't we? Yes, true. I think that's what, <laughs> what it is. Yes. Yeah. But I'm back. You're back. How was your holiday? It was lovely. So I had a little trip to Cyprus. Very nice. Um, I took Nick for his birthday and, yeah, it was really lovely and... Um, yeah, it was just a very special weekend. Brilliant. Carmen was as good as gold. Was she good? Um, yeah, she actually was. Like, plane ride, four hours and a half. I thought, oh my God, this is going to be absolutely manic. I'm going to be apologising left, right and centre for the noise. But she was just brilliant. She was fab. Well, she's, she's, I mean, was she haunted? Did she just, like, not change her facial expression the whole time? Yeah, she didn't even blink for four hours yeah. and a half. I mean, people <laughs> were a little bit worried, to be honest. <laughs> Yes, the haunted baby lives on. (laughs) (laughs) I've got so many photos that I nearly sent you as well. I've heard just looking so (laughs) demon orientated. Do it. It's amazing. God, that sounds so terrible, doesn't it? I just mean that she looks like straight through you. (laughs) She really does. It's hilarious, haunted baby. But there's lots of waving these days. She's been waving at cats and dogs and inanimate objects. It's great. It's probably because she wants to eat them or make, you know, carpets out of their flesh or something. Yes, probably. She is my daughter. She is your daughter after all. Oh. Well, I'm glad you had a lovely trip. And I'm glad the haunted baby enjoyed it as well. Amazing. Thank you. And how are you? How's your week been? I'm good. I'm good. I'm off on my own little trip tomorrow. I'm going to Paris for a couple of days with a friend, uh, which I'm very excited about. Although I keep having stress dreams about forgetting my passport, uh, which is... Oh, gosh. Yeah. And you can speak the language, can't you? The language I of love. speak the lingo, Yeah. So, uh, the language of love. Is it love, really? Mm. Is it love, actually? Or is that Italian? Do people say the language of love? I'm pretty sure that's French. I think they do. Whereas I tend to use it to just, you know, slip into the French thing of being a bit complaining about stuff and ordering coffees. And uh, it's never done me any good in the love love department anyway, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe maybe tomorrow's the night. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think so. Anyway, no. <laughs> so I'll be in Paris <laughs> next week. Um, but I'll be back for next week's podcast. So there Fabulous, you go. amazing. Great. So this week, hello, listeners, welcome back. Thank you for coming and listening hello. again. Thank you very much for joining us for another week of fun. Absolutely, and we uh, have a few. Do you have any shout outs this week? I do actually. We had a lovely message from Lana O'Brien. Hi, Lana. She says. 
Hi, Lana. Hello, ladies. I'm so excited to find you on here. I first found your podcast this week in my deep dive of researching things to do in London during my solo trip to celebrate my 50th year. I will be a lady who Londons in March. Oh, fantastic. Adoring listening to the back catalogue and finding gems to explore during my six days. Oh, Lana, how exciting. That's a good length of time in London, Lana. Six days is good. You can cover a lot in that time. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, welcome. Trip. When you come here, welcome, welcome, welcome. When have you a wonderful arrive. trip. Yeah, and I'm. Uh, I've, I've. We had a great email from uh, or message on Instagram from Laura Packenham, um, who said, um, "I was hoping you might cover this recent development in London," and she sent a link to something which is really rather exciting, um, and it is the largest Roman mosaic that has been found. Uh, very, for a long time actually um, it's right by London Bridge now I think oh, it is yes. the one that's down by Crossbones Graveyard I think it's in that section that they're digging up there um, mm. I know that you can see it from the train line although I haven't seen it yet I keep meaning to go and have a little uh, a little peek over at it um, so yeah I think we might have to have a little chat about that at some point um, yeah yeah we're not going to do it this week, yeah. Laura, but I think we're going to go and scurry away and uh, and find out a little bit more about it. I don't know that they've released that much information about it yet. Um, it's the Museum of London who are having a good look at it. It's this massive uh, mosaic floor. I mean, it looks incredible. And um, they have, in fact, I'm looking at one of the pictures. And yes, it is that spot by Red um, Crossbones Graveyard. I can see it by the hop exchange um in the background yeah it's just opposite isn't it yeah just opposite sort of down red uh, red cross street so yeah we're gonna go and see if we can find out a little bit more about it and we will let you know but very very exciting uh find so watch this space absolutely and we also got tagged in a uh in a post from uh keone farish who has been on a couple of my uh my walking tours hi keone and he bless her went out towards um the area where um maharaja duleep singh is buried in elvedon and so she decided to pop by the church and see his grave and sent us a little picture of it so i shared that to the stories on instagram uh and hopefully that'll be there for the next uh well it should be there um yeah it's now what 7 p.m on tuesday so it'll be there for the next 24 hours and we'll probably save it in our uh in our highlights as well but it's rather lovely um and so thank you for going out there and finding him and i think it's rather nice that these are you know people that probably wouldn't get that much attention and i quite like that now having listened to the podcast people are scurrying around and trying to find the the people there which i think is lovely so thank you for sending sending uh um, and she said he literally lived on my doorstep and I wouldn't have known about him if it hadn't been for you ladies. So, Aww, high fives. High fives all round. So last week, what were we talking about? Well, we had the fabulous Last city, week, we? we had the amazing city Holloway on and she was telling us all about the abandoned Downstreet station. Yes, yes. And it was really good, really interesting. And honestly... I don't know about you, Em, but my messages have blown up from people going, yeah, I'm in for that tour. So <laughs> we're working on it. We're working on it. Absolutely. We need to make that happen, don't we? Yes. And as soon as we've got dates and prices, we will let you know. Um, as she said, there's only 12 on a tour. So depending on how many people are interested, we will run one. Maybe two if there's loads of people interested, we'll see. Um, but we'll probably do that sometime in the summer. I think that's a good a good time to do it. Um, but bear yeah, with us on definitely. that. We, we're busy kind of chatting to them about prices and um, and making sure that it's a you know an affordable thing for us to be able to do with you. Lovely. It's happening. Watch this space. <laughs> and at the end, we chose our little podcast picks, didn't we? we did yes. And you went. I mean, I, I was kind of thinking that you would you would go for that. Would be the uh, the secret shower, like the little kind of annexy shower room thing that that Churchill requested to be built. And even though. Um, Cindy said didn't she didn't use it. She wasn't sure he ever used it. No, but mm. and so we don't quite know why he he asked for it. Whether he was hoping to use it or whether he was doing a mate a favour, we don't quite know. Uh, but that was there. So that was your pick. Do you yes. remember what my pick was? So your pick was the air raid warden suddenly realizing that there was this car parked uh, in a place where quite frankly it shouldn't have been and started to kind of um, apprehend this gentleman coming towards him who owned the car only to find that it was a drunk Churchill 
yes, <laughs> staggering out and going, what? I don't, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds a bit more Boris Johnson, that, but never mind. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, both, you know, decent choices, I thought, this week. And it is close. Yeah. What's, the, what's the tally so far, Em? What are we? The what tally we... so far is 4-3 to you, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Which yes. way do you think it's gone? Where do you, do you fancy your chances? Oh, I, mm, do you know what? It's so 50-50 this week. I feel like it could turn anyway. I'm going to say you've got it. It's not quite 50-50. It's 53-47. Oh, okay. I still feel... Oh, close. I don't know now. Is it me? No, it's it you, isn't it? It's you! It's me! It's you! Well done! I genuinely get so excited when it's me. Like, <laughs> you really do. I get really giggly. Oh, that's brilliant. Thanks well so done. much, everyone. Well done, Ethan Stevens. See, every, you know, the idea of um, people being naked whilst you're <laughs> going by on the underground tube gets people every time. Absolutely. The nakedity <laughs> under the ground. Hilarious. Oh, dear me. So at the end of last week, where did the wheel land for this week's episode? Well, it was a bit cheeky because it landed in a segment that takes over quite a huge proportion of London. In fact, it's North London. Yeah, yeah, that was a a cheeky little... uh, I've changed it now, I know. I got a couple of messages saying that you can't... People living in North London were really offended that I put North London on one segment. Blanket, especially when you have like Rotherhive on there, which is quite a specific spot. I I have taken Rotherhive off now, FYI. Um, So, yes, now I wanted to talk about um, a place in North London... um, and it's something uh, that you can see from far and wide because it stands on top of a hill which is 300 feet high and that is Alexandra Palace. Ali Pali. Ali yes. Pali. Um, do you know much about Ali Pali, the People's Palace? I know, uh, well to be fair, my palace. Um, <laughs> Your palace? My palace. Uh, it's my name after all. Um yeah, I mean, I know bits and pieces about it. And I, I think I mentioned last week that I went to my very first secret cinema there, which would have been, oh yes. I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. People don't know what secret cinema is. What they do is they have a, well, they show a film in a particular location, but you don't know what it is ahead of time. So you, they give you some ideas about how to dress up. and They don't tell you any kind of specifics. And then you get there and they're acting out bits of it and it's all very immersive and depending on what you're doing i did a shawshank redemption one where we were you know being shuttled around as if we were prisoners it was really cool and then um and then you sort of try and figure out what the film is and then they show it to you and the one that was up there Mm. was lawrence of arabia which is a long film but oh my goodness the main hall of ali pali they created well the slide hall they created into a kind of um a souk so you had loads and loads of different stands all selling amazing food and Turkish delight. And there were um, belly dancers with snakes. And like it was it was amazing. And then they showed the film in the main hall, mm. which is huge. And they partway through came through with a guy on a real life camel into Ali Pali and walked <gasps> down. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I might have to share some pictures wow. on my uh, on, the, on the Instagram at some point of it because I've got them yeah, somewhere. Yeah, definitely. But, um, it were was, people it was... allowed to get? Were people allowed to get on the camel? No, no. It just came through oh. at a certain part of the film, um, and they it was it was genuinely fantastic. Yeah, Gosh, but that's that's my yeah. kind of and and watching fireworks up there, but. Um, but tell, tell us more. Tell us more about Ali Bali that's not linked to Well, it's one of many, many things that have happened there. I mean, goodness me. And it's a place that I hold quite dear in my heart as well because I used to live down in Crouch End. So um, if you're not really familiar with Alexandra Palace, um, it's... Uh, I don't know if you don't really know London it would probably take you about 20 minutes on the tube to get to Alexandra Palace if you were coming from say King's Cross and right at the bottom of the hill we've got an area called Crouch End which is where I used to live and I used to go up to the top of the hill on a lovely warm day and the view that you get down into London you see all of the skyscrapers you see the Dome of St Paul's Cathedral it is just amazing it's breathtaking um so 
the people's palace now when you think of a palace you think of you know something that's very regal rooms with chandeliers beautiful bedrooms places where people can sit and only the elite would enter but this wasn't a palace that people lived in it wasn't a palace that the royal family really frequented it was a place for the people it was a recreation building and ground and when it comes to, as I say, things that have happened inside, darts, snooker, ice skating, roller skating, <laughs> it was known for hot air balloons, television, which we'll come to, just so much. But let's go back. So um, the site was taken over in the 1860s and originally it was open fields and part of a farm which was called Tottenham Wood Farm. And at this point in the 1860s, the area of North London and around Wood Green, which is uh, an area very close to Alexandra Palace, was getting very populated. And people really needed a bit of space to breathe. And it's a little bit like um, Victoria Park in London that some of you might have heard of, um, which was the first... Oh, it's gorgeous, isn't it? It was the first public park um, in London and it was a time um, in the middle of the 19th century when people a lot of people didn't have gardens a lot of people were you know using coal there was a lot of smoke in the air it was really badly polluted and people needed a bit of space a bit of nature to breathe so parks started to open and this was a perfect location because you're so high up yeah and a palace and the park was formed and took over and still does today just under 200 acres of land so it's a a huge amount of space um now work started in the 1860s and the building materials that they used was originally used for the international exhibition in kensington ah And this is essentially what has turned into the V and A. So um, Alex and I, we've spoken about the Crystal Palace. We've mentioned it a few times, haven't we? Yeah, we haven't done a a full episode on it, but it came up, I think, when Fiona was on. It's come up quite a few times. Mm. It's quite an important thing in London's history. Yeah, absolutely. So 1851, we had the Crystal Palace, a building um, in Kensington, which showcased things that people had made from around the world. It closed and suddenly we still had all of these items. So an exhibition was put on and the building materials for this um, eventually were taken up to be used in Ali Pali because the international exhibition changed. It was um, suddenly turned into what was known as the Brompton boilers which uh, didn't really look visually very pleasing um and these building materials went off to bethnal green to create the vna museum of childhood and now today that's so interesting that kind of repurposing of stuff it's brilliant yeah absolutely um Definitely. And today the the V&A is very different. You've got this beautiful stone building that almost looks like it's topped with a crown. And when it comes to the Crystal Palace, the building that was created or the building work that started uh, in 1862, this was kind of the response to the success of Crystal Palace. Mm. They wanted this in North London. They wanted a permanent place where people could go and be entertained by all sorts of different things on display. So they were going to use it for exhibitions. They were going to use it for functions. They were going to use it for fates. They were going to have lots of sports in the park. And it was named after Princess Alexandra of Denmark. And after Monarch Mondays, you know who this is, Alex. I absolutely do. And actually, I think that is the lady that I'm named after. Really? Your parents named you after Alexandra of Denmark? No, hang on. Not that one. So she's the one who's married to... George the sixth. No, sorry, Edward the sixth, isn't she? Edward the seventh. Edward the seventh. Edward the seventh. Well, Edward, one of the numbers. One of the kings, one of the numbers. Edward the seventh. Doesn't really matter. Yes. No, <laughs> it's not that one. Then there's another it Princess Alexandra who comes later that I'm named after. My dad had a crush on her. Oh. Yeah. Your dad had a crush on her. Yeah. We need to get a photo of this on I Instagram. Know I... <laughs> and put... <laughs> Hashtag 
had a crush on her and named his daughter after you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, named his daughter after you? That doesn't even totally, make sense. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, well, she's okay, still going, so, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Hang on. Oh. No. Oh, no. She died in 2004. Whoops. Anyway. Oh, okay. Oh, never mind. Um, so, named after the the wife of oh, no. Edward the Seventh. Oh, I no, know she's still, still alive. Oh, she! God, you completely um, you just buried her then. Unfortunately, so, um, sorry, sorry, Alex. She's eighty five. Yeah. So my dad named me after her. Not the oh. same Princess Alexandra, but yeah. Okay. Right. There we are. Um. So, um, horse racing. A horse racing course was opened just before the building opened in 1873. So in the late 1860s, we suddenly have this huge horse racing course, which was the only horse racing course in London at the time and absolutely gigantic. Um, if you go to Alexandra Palace today, you can't see um, any reminder, really, unfortunately, that there was a race course there, apart from there's a, a message board with a little bit of information. But there's no imprint on the land, unfortunately. Um, but it would have been an absolute spectacle. Yeah. Lots of people going down. Amazing. Now, the 24th of May, 1873, Ali Pali, the People's Palace, opens. And it opens on Queen Victoria's 54th birthday nice prezi grand celebration yeah nice prezi absolutely um you mentioned fireworks alex so fireworks have always been a, a huge thing at ali pali even on the opening in 1873 there was a gigantic firework display um an operatic singer called sims reeves who was very well known at the time um was singing there on this opening event very nice. and there was an audience yeah of a hundred and two thousand people oh, oh, oh. now ali pali's big but even that is pretty even that yeah. my goodness me but um i mean we'll put up pictures of ali pali and uh, it's changed a little bit here and there as you'll you'll find out from me continuing but the acoustics in there uh, have always been incredible you've mm. got it's not like the crystal palace in the fact that you've got a, you know it's not full of glass um no. there were a few plans to create it like the crystal palace with glass but if you were to look at it the shape of it is quite reminiscent of the crystal palace but you do yeah. have these kind of um what do you say kind of terracotta colors uh, kind of oval glass window yeah. windows. Yeah, it's still got really lovely big glass, kind of almost like rose windows that you get in a cathedral, aren't they? A little mm. bit. Um, mm. But to be honest, I can't actually picture the colour of the of the stones or anything. So I'm, I'm yeah, go, I kind of say it's like sandy yeah. along with kind of a bit of terracotta. Um, well, yeah, Edwardian, typically Edwardian. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Um, Inside, there was an organ, one of the largest in Europe at the time, and this was a Henry Willis organ. Um, have you heard of this man? I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're smiling. I know why you're smiling. You both get, just quite get a your mind out of gutter. Well, you could play a very tune on it, I can tell you. Um. So he was, you know, a really famous organ builder at the time. And he was actually commissioned to um, build this uh, huge organ. Every time I say organ, I'm thinking of Henry Will Willis's... Um, yeah. Impressive organ. <laughs> um, so he was asked to create... He will this, be thrilled that that is his legacy. <laughs> this huge piece that as soon as you walked in the Great Hall, which is the main section of the building, you were just blown away. <laughs> <laughs> by his organ um, but 16 days later we really after it, up. we really should so in 1873 16 days later tragedy struck oh, and no. the palace burnt down yes it's got a bit of a history with, with fire hasn't it yeah absolutely so um, unfortunately three members of staff um, passed away during this Sweet. time Um uh, the interior was completely destroyed, but the outer walls remained. And it's what you can see, well, part of it. Part of it, you can see the original walls there today. Oh, you'd be so gutted, wouldn't you? Having just finished this thing, you turn your back and you kind of go, right, that's it, I'm going to put my invoice in now, and the whole thing burns down. 
Can you I imagine mean, 16 days? Gutting, gutting. And they had their first exhibition that was up and running inside, which um, showcased over 400 examples of English pottery. Um, and all of this perished. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> back on to Henry Willis, um, <laughs> he actually risked his life trying to um, rescue parts of his masterpiece. <laughs> I've got to stop talking about Henry Willis. <laughs> anyway, now it wasn't long before they rebuilt the palace. So 1875, May 1875, it opened again. So it was a, a very quick turnaround. Um, they must have had quite a bit of money to play with. Yeah, I guess. I mean, someone's funding that, isn't they? Because that's not going to be cheap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, this is where they start to kind of, I think, just go even more extreme because they think, well, the first one's been gutted. If we've, you know, got the opportunity to do it again, let's do it better. <laughs> let's not do a complete carbon copy. You haven't, you haven't even sort of stress tested it to find out whether or not it's, it works. But all right, let's just yeah, exactly. go one bigger anyway. So the hall becomes even grander and you can now have a capacity of 14,000 people inside, which is just insane. Um, I will just tell you that uh, Willis, Willis <laughs> he did rebuild his organ, so Good. he was fine. Um, and he also was, was responsible for an organ that he created. I don't know if it's still there, um, but one in the Royal Albert Hall, which was there um, in 1871, which was the year that it was built, wasn't it? Yes, oh, that's a good question. I don't know if his, if the organ there is uh, one of his organs uh, or not, actually. Mm. Interesting, we'll have to do a bit of rummaging. Yeah, there's a fabulous little image, this little sketch, um, I'll put it on Instagram, of everybody inside the Great Hall with the organ at Alexandra Palace. <laughs> I really need to grow up, I'm so sorry. <laughs> But the amount of people in there, this is for the second in, uh, the second opening of the palace and the amount of people and it just looks like everybody is so excited. And although it's obviously just an image, you can imagine how loud it would have been in there with the music being played. Yeah. It would have been tremendous. So, now also um, inside... Just very oh, quickly, sorry, I've just had a quick look for the one in the Royal Albert Hall. It says it was originally built by Henry Willis and most recently rebuilt by Manda Organs. So I think uh, it's possibly... It's not clear if it is a whole new organ or if it's a restored. I think it might be a restored Henry Willis. And apparently okay. it has a tongue-in-cheek Twitter account supposedly written by the organ at the... Uh, um, at the oh, what? Yeah. Did you say the second one was created by Amanda Organ? <laughs> um, yeah, she's a, it's, it's nominative determinism at its absolute best. Amanda Organ. No, they're called Manda Organs. So it's the company... Oh, right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Amanda Organ, yeah. <laughs> oh dear you can't make it up really can you um so inside as well they had a palm court a place where you mm. could have tea and you know just sit and relax there was a theater which sat three thousand people which was actually modeled on the drury lane theater theater or drury lane um, and theatre was a big thing, especially in the early 1900s. You had lots of Shakespearean performances. You had puppetry as well. Um, I don't know if they were executing their puppets. Like in Mayfair, but um, they had a concert room which could seat 3,500 people, which mm -hmm. later became a roller skating rink, which then became an ice skating ice rink, rink a lot yeah. later. Um, they had various museums. They had banqueting suites. They had places where you could eat. And there were random performers inside. A, a, a man called Dr. Holden in 1880 who would go there and he would show people uh, his magic tricks, his okay. conjuring experiments, which I guess today, you know, if you pulled a rabbit out of the hat, it would be like, oh, so what? Move on. Come on. Yawn. Um, wow. <laughs> but this <round>. is... <laughs> oh, come on. Um, but Dr. Holden, you know, no he's sailor clown, things. is it? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, pulling things out of his hat and making things reappear, which um, apparently got got audiences coming from wide and far. Um, you also had uh, a trotting ring, 
which was part of the race course and also a cycle racing track, which was uh, suddenly formed. A cricket ground, ornamental lakes, a Japanese village... I feel like I haven't actually seen the entirety of this building when I've been up. Maybe I haven't. Oh Maybe I've only gosh, seen a lot of this. I mean, uh, you know, in terms of the 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 sports, the cricket ground, the lakes, uh, tennis courts, uh, fun fair, swimming pool. This was all outside. And actually, um, you know, if you just look at a map of Alexandra Palace, as I say, it's it's just under two hundred acres of land. So uh, the park is just extreme, and actually. Uh, in July this year, and I don't know if they have it every year, but there is a, a festival called Kaleidoscope, and it's you know a perfect place to have lots of musicians and stages because you've just got so much space. Oh wow! Um, a Venetian fate once took place where the lake was illuminated. You had a choir performing in gondolas, <laughs> moving around the lake, people singing. Sailor clowns. Um, not sailor clouds oh. <laughs> unfortunately from new listeners just so you know I, I once was a sailor clown if you're questioning what this reference is I do think um, <laughs> I question myself for doing it a lot um and this event was so popular apparently it caused huge overcrowding and um, they had to have additional performances because people just wanted to see these singers going along the lake in their little gondolas Brilliant. now in 1888 we're outside the palace again and we've got another doctor, not Dr. Holden, but Dr. Barton. Now, he built an airship in the grounds of Alexandra Palace. Blimey. He originally was a general practitioner, hence, of course, doctor, and he was obsessed with all things aeronautical. No and uh, yeah, he was given the kind of the thumbs up to work with the War Office in the late 1800s to create uh, an airship. Um, and Alexandra Palace gave him the space. They said, wow. yeah, you can build a ship. Um, you can... <laughs> no problem at all. Because yeah. at this point as well, Ali Pali, I have to say, in the middle of the 1800s or late 1800s, even though it sounds fantastic, if an event isn't going on, people aren't there. No. So it was, you know, it had its peaks, it had its low points as well where people weren't turning up. So they thought, well, if we've got some madman on the top of the hill creating an airship <laughs> in a huge shed, people it's going to bring lots see. of attention. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So... Um, this is what happened. So he started to build in the area that today you can find the football pitch. And I have to say, it's the time when in Germany you've got Count von Zeppelin who is creating his ship made from lightweight aluminium. However, Dr. Barton was creating it out of heavy bamboo. Um, it oh. was 180 feet long. That's it was point. It's humongous. The photographs are absolutely crazy. You can see kind of people underneath the balloon and they just look teeny tiny. They look oh, like Henry little specks. Willis, eat your heart out, eh? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> 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 no. 180 feet long, I mean, wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> but in 1904, there was an explosion... Now, I'm smiling while I'm saying this, but this is actually very serious. There was an explosion. Unfortunately, part of the airship collapsed. And actually, uh, Dr. Barton, he had... This sounds awful. He got iron shards. <laughs> and I did debate whether I was going to say this, but I thought, come on. Iron shards in his eyes that they had to get out with magnets. <gasps> oh, no, 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 no. Emily, stop laughing. Stop laughing. I'm laughing You're at Henry so Willis. Oh, oh, dear. oh no that that but no, no but he was okay he was a very strong man and because he was a doctor himself he kind of i mean i don't think he was an eye doctor but he was oh. he managed to <laughs> get himself probably quite a um, a good supply of codeine <laughs> and <laughs> carried on um so anyway he did manage to fully finish the ship and in 1905 on the 22nd of july it was ready to fly so many people gathered at the top of the hill, at the bottom of the hill, all around the area. And at 10 past 5 p.m., it took off. It, he went off in the northern direction, in the direction to Romford, kind of going towards Essex, you might say. Yep. He had six people along with him. 
and landed in a potato farm. And and people were just, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that he made it safely back down. I can't quite believe it, actually. (laughs) I know. And so many people, but hang on a minute, so many people rushed towards him to congratulate him and got into kind of... um, I wouldn't say it's a basket, but it's the section underneath the balloon itself. And so many people were on one side of it that suddenly the other side, like a seesaw, went up. And because you've got, you know, you've got so much hydrogen within this balloon, suddenly uh, the weight of it goes up on one side and the weight rips through um, the the ship itself. And it never again. (laughs) Nobody died. Nobody died. Oh, but, thank goodness. Um, I, I mean... thought there was going to be someone mighty uh, kaboom. <laughs> no, no, no. No kaboom. But still, it's such a sad story because he spent about 20 years of his life on it and spent about £4,000, much of which was his own money. And then about 20 minutes get help. <laughs> 20 minutes of pure joy. <laughs> um, <laughs> sounds terrible, doesn't it? But... Anyway, um, something else which I just wish I was there. In 1888, a woman called Miss Alice Webb, she performs in a crystal water tank. This is inside the, the palace itself. And she was quite famous for being able to do things <laughs> in the tank while she was in there. What are I'm we talking? talking... <laughs> Eating. Okay. She's in water or just inside like an empty tank? No, she's in, she's submerged in water. She's in water, okay. She's in water, she's eating, she's drinking, she's sewing. (laughs) Don't do (laughs) your while you're in there, love. (laughs) She's she's eating an apple, hopefully not all in one go because, gosh, her breath intake must have been pretty epic. She's smoking. How on earth she was smoking down there? Smoking hot, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, And writing. I mean, of all the things that, I mean, yeah. Okay, fine. You've got David Blaine doing weird stuff in jelly or whatever. But I mean, (laughs) smoke a a cigar underwater. What? I mean, I'd go. I'd go to see her do that. I mean, I, yeah, in fairness, I would go and see her do that. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, and, the and weirdness. Maybe, maybe it was like a double bluff and maybe they're like, watch her smoke a cigar underwater and then you get there and she's like, ha jokes can't, do, can't be done. I mean, I yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Um, a little bit later in 1898, a roller coaster. Now, I've oh. seen these YouTube clips, this wooden roller coaster oh, of people in finery and top hats. This is the time when health and safety hasn't gone absolutely berserk yet. So <laughs> the, the YouTube video I saw, you know, nobody fell out. But my gosh, it is rickety tickety. Um, I don't know if I can. I'll try and get a little video on Instagram. Yeah, we'll, see if well, can... we'll, no, we can embed it on the show notes as well, so we can do that. Oh, fantastic, yeah. do that. Um, in 1905, there was um, a dedication to Nelson, Lord Horatio Nelson, who died a hundred years prior in 1805. Um, there was a big ball in dedication. <laughs> oh, Emily. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long week, isn't I'm it? I'm going loopy today, honestly. I think I've got jet lag. Um, it's only two hours. From Cyprus. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so 100 years since the death of Nelson, this big um, kind of celebration of his life took place and a full-size replica of Nelson's column um, that you can find in Trafalgar Square, a full-size replica was brought into the Great Hall. And this should give you an understanding of how big the palace is in terms of height, because, come on, Alex, how, how tall is Nelson's oh, Column? Oh, I knew you were going to do that. And no, I don't do numbers like that. Um, it's tall. It's 370... I don't know. Hang on. I don't know. Do you know what? I don't know. That you see? I, I'm going to have a guess on, that it's actually... I think it's less than 200. Oh, you cannot do that. You cannot do it. I think it's less than. I'm just trying to think what Go I then. would have said going around Trafalgar Square. I, w- I think I'd say about 190. 
It's apparently 169 feet. Ah, okay. So you're right, it's under 200. Yeah. But yeah, 169 feet and three inches. There we go. Mm. And in metres, that's 51 and a half metres. I wonder where, I don't know where, um, and I really should have researched this, I do apologise. I'm not too sure where the uh, replica is, but I I remember reading somewhere about it. Maybe it was a little, for a little bit of time, in the Maritime Museum at Greenwich. Oh, interesting. Oh, they've at least got a replica the uh, of the uh, the statue there, mm, I believe. They have, yeah. On top. So maybe that was part of this one that was created for oh, Ali Pali. Oh, that's maybe, maybe. Um, anyway, through a lot of uh, financial despair, again, it had to be closed for two years in 1889. But there was suddenly this vigorous campaign with the people in the area. There was... Um, this man called Henry Burt, who comes up quite a lot in uh, looking at history, looking at the history of Alexandra Palace. He was a member of the Hornsey Urban District Council. Oh, and he was, uh, <laughs> I know, UDC. Uh, he was supported by the chairman of Wood Green. And this resulted in Alexandra Palace and Park, the, uh, sorry, I should say the Alexandra Palace and Park Act being formed in the 1900, okay. year 1900. Um, and this basically allowed trustees from local authorities such as Islington, Tottenham, Finchley to buy into the park and the palace so they could put oh. money down so it really does become the people's palace so it's the 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 local authorities who suddenly have the power uh, of what to do with the palace oh that's interesting um, yeah so 150,000 pounds was raised from all of these different authorities to save the palace wood green being kind of the closest station apart from alexandra palace station itself mm. I'd, I think Wood Green is the closest. They gave or contributed thirty-seven thousand five hundred pounds, which is a huge sum of money. That's enormous, yeah. For back then, that's that you know, mm. that's not current money, is it? Yeah, um, it was reopened in nineteen o one. And this is where we have um, uh, something else, another bit of entertainment. Have you heard of a, a woman called Miss Dolly Shepherd? No. Okay, so she she was actually a waitress originally at Alexandra Palace, and then she got obsessed with uh, parachutes and um, falling from a, a balloon. And this is a time when um, harnesses are not invented at this point. So we are talking about this woman kind of uh she's attached to a balloon and she has almost um it's kind of like a swing think of a balloon and a swing underneath so she can swing her leg she's holding on to the side so she's got a bit of rope to her left bit of rope to her right and she could slip at any moment right so a massive daredevil and there would be these huge launches that took place from the top of Alexandra Palace or not the top of the palace itself but upon the green um so there was this one time when uh before embarking she caused such a stir because she actually leant down and kissed a young lady in the audience and oh. people were like wow heaven for fun <laughs> I know. So then she heads off 4,500 feet above <laughs> Alexandra Palace. She goes straight she goes. up. Just straight up. She goes straight up. Yeah, oh straight up. Um, she was born in North London. She was born in an area called Potter's Bar, which is actually where my mum's from. Um, and she was uh, a bit of a celebrity, you might say. But there was all sorts of different kind of um, problems that she occurred. So, for instance, on one occasion, her parachute, it, it didn't open. So she oh. is still attached to the balloon. And she would only open her parachute, of course, when she's about to let go of yeah, the balloon, of let go of this swing. But it doesn't detach. So she drifts. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. She drifts for six hours, getting higher and higher and higher. Yeah. Must have been getting into kind of low oxygen and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, apparently she travelled up to 18,000 foot and she was so high up that her nose started to bleed. Oh, my God. You didn't think I was going in this direction, did you? No, I really didn't. And it, oh, it, well... 
she does actually have a really bad fall and she is left paralysed. No. <laughs> oh, Emily, stop! You can't keep laughing oh, at tragedy. God. I'm laughing because I know instantly you're going to expect me to give some kind of facial... <laughs> I'm really, really sorry. I don't mean to laugh at all. You know when you're saying something terrible and you just can't help but have that kind of weird, awkward reaction? No. That was what just happened. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but it's okay because she, well, she was originally told that she could never walk again, but she did. And it was actually about eight weeks later that she got back up on a balloon. Oh, wow. Which is just mad. Yeah, apparently she had um, kind of like an electric shock treatment on her back to oh. get her up and fighting again. She's just tremendous. So, yeah, so she was very, uh, very famous and she helped out quite a lot during World War II. Um, Helped out um, on the Western Front. I think she managed some air raid shelters, I think I read, around North London. And actually her daughter, Molly Sedgwick, was so proud of her mother that she invested quite a lot of her time and money to write a book all about her. Um... And she also did a parachute jump as well. But there was a harness at that point. A harness had been invented at that point. Yeah, she wasn't silly. Um, Now, radio. Stop me if I'm going on too much. Am I going on too much? (laughs) No, no, it's good. How long have I spoke for now? Oh, about three hours, but carry on. Okay. (laughs) So, Alexandra Palace, when you look at it, you have this incredible building. But then you have this radio mast uh, and it's quite reminiscent actually of if you go to crystal palace which is named after the fact that the actual crystal palace from kensington was moved onto this hill which was renamed crystal palace and there you almost look like you've got a radio mast there which is um uh what is that what kind of mast is that electrical mast the radio mast i mean i I, I don't know oh is it in crystal palace as well i think so Oh, right, okay. Um, I'm not too sure. I'm not 100% not sure. sure. I, I have to say, is. I'm not very good at differences in masts. So you're probably <laughs> asking the wrong person here, to be fair. Okay, no worries. Let's uh, scratch over that one. All right. Um, so, yes, when you're looking at Ali Pali, you'll see this uh, huge radio mast, and it was used by the BBC, the oh, British right Broadcasting Corporation. Big British Castle. So, yeah, um... In 1834, the BBC leased the east wing of the building and the first TV transmission was made on the 2nd of November 1936. Um, And actually, there is a blue plaque. And, you know, we are fanatical about blue plaques. We We love love blue blue plaques, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you can find this information when you're walking uh, just underneath the southeast tower, actually, where you've got the, uh, the mast itself. You can find this blue plaque. Um, and it was the, the you had the, the first fully electronic television system which was being used at the time. And of course, this is the 1930s. Not everybody has a television. No. You know, if you do, you are part of the elite. You've got quite a lot of money. Absolutely. Um, so it wasn't like it was being used and, um, you know, transmission was heading to thousands or millions of people. It was, you know, it was uh, uh, only a handful. But, of course, as we know, it absolutely took off. Yes, and I if know, you go there today... Now. Her TV is <laughs> 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 Oh, it is, isn't it? Um... <laughs> I've gone absolutely loopy this evening. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> um, you can. There are a few rooms inside where you can see some of the old um, recording equipment and uh, these humongous cameras. Uh, I, I think not normally. You can't go in there and kind of have a normal tour. I no, know it's it is not part kind of, of open house weekend. I think so, and I think they have. Yeah, it's not one of those places that you can just wander up and go for a mooch round, is it? It's they hold events and things there that you can go to and. But it's not kind of one we just sort of wander in and have a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, performances inside. So you talk about the the secret cinema. My mm. gosh, there's been all sorts of different things, especially in the way of music. So the Rolling Stones played there in 1964. You've had the Who, Led Zeppelin, Queen, the Stone Roses, Bjork. Um, there was this 14-hour technicolor dream um which was a 14 hour 
a huge performance. It was known as uh, an, a, a happening, if you like, during the summer <laughs> like of it. love. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, Pink Floyd were headlining and you had all sorts of different people performing music, but also poetry, jugglers. You had the tribe of the sacred mushroom, which sounds no. pretty psychedelic. Yeah. Um, and you had kind of strobe lights. I mean, this, of course, is in the 1960s, but you had all this light coming from this central tower, which was right next to a massive helter-skelter, which was erected just for one night oh, in the really? middle of the hall. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And actually, in 2007, the 40th anniversary of this event was celebrated at the Institution of Contemporary Arts London. So it must have been pretty important. Yeah. One of those mm. things that you kind of think, oh, that would have been amazing to be at, although you probably wouldn't remember it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> in um, the late 1990s, the palace is used for all sorts of awards, the Brit Awards, MTV, EMAs. Um, and I think it still is today, actually. I think all sorts of different awards yeah, ceremonies take place inside. Yeah, I'm trying to think what award ceremonies take place. It's, um, I wonder if the Mobos are there, actually. Not quite oh, sure. maybe. Um, yeah. But it's used for so many gigs still, and, and I know you've been to quite a lot of gigs there. I have been to uh, the sewing show because I live a very full life. Thank you very much. Uh, I've never been, <laughs> I know. I haven't ever been to a gig there. Um, I've been to my kind of gig, which, <laughs> which is a, a sewing show. I wonder if they have a sewing show in kind of recognition of Molly in the tank. Yes, almost certainly. Maybe so, eh? Doing her little sewing. Sewing, yeah, <laughs> her little sewing bag. Um, now, you did mention that, you know, it was, it, there's been quite a few fires there. So uh, a second fire, unfortunately, breaks out. Mm. It's now 1980. Um, and this was uh, huge, this fire. There's uh, clips that you can find, again, kind of, you know, quite easily on YouTube, seeing the extent of this fire. And of course, it's on the hill, so people can can really see it from such a distance away. You've got this smoke bellowing from the tower, and this is when um, the roller skating rink, which was originally there, was completely gutted, and most of the west wing severely damaged. Mm. Part of the roof came down, um, and a temporary pavilion was erected in the grounds, which I think kind of suggests. You know, how popular it was and how people yeah. still wanted this kind of place to, to go to. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's definitely an iconic building. And even if, you know, I think a lot of Londoners, or people, not necessarily native Londoners, but people who live here for a year or two, I think a lot of people don't go there. Um, it's kind of one of those things where you go, oh, so-and-so is playing a gig. Where is it? Oh, it's Ali Pali. And a lot of people go, oh, I've never been there. So it's not, mm. even though it's, it's an iconic building and everyone knows where it is and what it looks like, you don't always make, make the journey up there, do you? No, no, exactly. And you really should, or we really should, maybe we should do this on the outing, put this on the outing. Let's book. go to the sewing show. Yeah. Do you know what? I would be up for that. I mean, I can't sew, but I, you know, I, I'd be quite, quite entertained by people sewing in front of me. God, <laughs> Sarah, what is it? So... I, th I really do think that the lockdowns have not done wonders for our social lives, has it? No. I, no, yeah, I agree. I would spend a day watching people do some sewing. Yeah, no, I really would. That would be quite entertaining. It's not quite. You don't really watch people doing sewing. But anyway, whatever. I digress. That's the least exciting mm. thing about this. Carry on. Um, now, uh, there's part of the building where if you were to look at, uh, especially the theatre, for instance, um, the inside theatre, which... Um, was used by the BBC as a storage unit at one time and they recently had this huge restoration of £8 million being spent on the restoration of this theatre. The walls look like they are still kind of um, a bit worn, a bit sad, but oh. they've kind of left them. They've obviously kind of um, cleaned them up to make sure that health and safety is all, all okay and, you know, there's no kind of bits that are about to chip off. Um, but they call it arrested decay, oh. um, you know, where it kind of looks, it looks old, it looks like it's decaying, but like me. it's on purpose. Or like us, babe, like us. <laughs> um, and the theatre 
the structure of the original theatre apparently was terrible. There were serious flaws in terms of the fact that people couldn't see. Um, apparently, because there were two balconies, if you were sat underneath one of the balconies, it was so... Uh, there was, you know, minimal space that the top of the balcony was just touching the top of your head. Oh, no, really? So, yeah, really, really uncomfortable. Um <laughs> And actually, the theatre, before it had this kind of huge £8 million uh, revamp, it was on English Heritage Buildings at Risk register because it was so dilapidated. Um, So there's been a lot of attention, a lot of attention into how the building looks today. A few people say that it still needs a little bit of TLC here and there, but I think personally that's its charm. (laughs) you know it kind of looks like there are bits on the edge that look like they could kind of break away at any moment (laughs) she's a slightly haggard old lady isn't she She takes after me Um. yeah yeah (laughs) she is um but i mean what a i just like listeners to realize that was no vote of confidence from emily there she just went yeah (laughs) Yeah." (laughs) i'm so sorry i'm so sorry um uh, the coat of arms, the uh, London borough of Haringey, which is the, the borough of which Alexandra Palace is in. Um, what's quite lovely is on the coat of arms, you have these lightning bolts, which, of course, depict the palace's role mm. in development of the television, which is really sweet. Um, and if you go around the grounds, of course, you can't see uh, kind of uh, a lot of the things that I mentioned, such as the race course. But you will find a boating lake, a golf course a cricket ground, a rose garden. And as I say, if you want to be within the uh, the grounds, there is this wonderful festival which is happening on the 23rd of July. It's called Kaleidoscope. There are tickets on sale now. Okay. And you've got all sorts of people performing, such as Orbital, um, Charlotte Church, if you like a bit of Charlotte Church. It's quite a mix, um, isn't it? <laughs> the House Gospel Choir. It is a bit of a mix, it's actually. Orbital and Charlotte Church, wow. Yeah. Um, so there we go. I'm going to end there. Going to end on uh, and Orbital quite... and Charlotte Church. <laughs> what a place to end. And you were saying <laughs> earlier that the like the closest station is, what did you say, Wood Green, didn't you? Because it's not... Well, there is. You do have Alexandra Palace Station. Yes. But, but there's no tube um, line particularly close, is there? No. So the closest station is Wood Green. However, the Piccadilly line, when it was first... When they were designing the Piccadilly line, Alexandra Palace was due to be on it, but mm. they decided to, ch- to change it in the end. Um, but yes, Wood Green is on the... That's on the Piccadilly line, isn't it? Yeah. Um, mm. But it's it's not... Yeah, it's a sort of bus ride away, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, and the reason I mention that is because uh, a few years ago, I did a job where there was a variety of us guides and we were ferrying people up to Ali Pali for an evening event and we were guiding on the way up. And I got chatting to one of my colleagues who, uh, you know, Emily, a guy called Simon Whitehouse. Hi, Simon, if you're listening. Oh, yes. And Hi, he's Simon. Been on, he's been on Global Tea Break, so if people used to watch that, then they might uh, remember his name. And um, he he told me that he said to them, he went through the sort of slightly North London bit, and he said, oh, you know, they're all very into their alternative therapies up here. And then he said, but of course, they don't do colonic irrigation because the tube doesn't go up this far. Way, <laughs> and I remember very that nice. Well, it made me cry with laughter. Brilliant! Oh my god, he's, he's, a, he's a funny man, isn't he? He's got a yeah, he's got a mouth on him, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, that was fun. Thanks, Emma. It's it's a great it is a great building to go. And uh, so, if anyone is feeling the need for a bit of Orbital and Charlotte Church in the summer. You know where to go up to Ali Pali, yes. and it is. I think it's that kind of place that whenever you do go, for whatever it is, uh, and like I say, not that many. You know, people don't always go, and then they go for something. They go, wow, this is amazing. This building is beautiful, and it's so kind of. It's not like a gig venue where you just go in and it's a sort of empty box and you just do a gig in it. You know, half the beauty of it is the space that it's in. It's this beautiful building that's just got heart and soul and is really lovely. Um, yeah, and it's kind of quite a big bit of the of the landscape. I love it. Absolutely. And you've got the ice skating rink there as well. And that is open to the public, isn't it? So that is that the bit. That is. Yeah, so you can't kind of go and wander around most of the palace, but you can go to the ice rink. 
So if you do want to go and uh, do a little bit of exploration up there, then that's a good spot. And it's a brilliant place to go and see. We talked uh, last year, uh, or possibly the year before now, in about um, Bonfire Night and Guy Fawkes and oh, yes. the fact that there are you know fireworks that happen all across the city when it gets to uh, the 5th of November. And that is one of the best spots in London to see them. They, mm. I think they do their own, but even if they don't, you get to see all the fireworks just popping off across London because it's such a, a huge hill. It's amazing. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Em. You are welcome. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Podcast pedestal. So, oh. podcast picks. Podcast picks. Now, I think I have a bit of an inkling about what you were going to go for. Oh, do you? I well, do. I, I, I do know what I'm going to go for. Yeah. So do I go for that or do I go for something else? I'm going to... Hmm. Okay. I'm going to go for... It's quite random. Uh, it's Alex. Some, yeah. Alex, I think you'll find it's my turn to <gasps> Oh, I know it is, first. isn't it? Okay, yes. you go for it. Oh, dear. Right, Stop okay. it. I'm going to go for Dr. Barton's airship. That is not what I thought you were going to go for. Did you think I, I was going to go for Willis? For the no lady in the tank. Oh, no. I think Dr. Barton, he would have spent so much time on the hill of Alexandra Palace in the shadow of this palace. He probably would have inspected the building more than anybody working in his shed every day. Um, so I, yeah, I think that him building his airship is a pretty important part of Ali Palace history. Oh, mate. Oh, okay, well, that's going to be a, a tough one to beat, I think. That's going to be a tough one. What do I think? I, I, there's one thing that I'm thinking about, and you, you mentioned it almost in passing towards the end, and it was the coat of arms of the area that has the little, the little lightning bolts on it, which oh, relates to the sort of the radio, radio mast. mast and for me when anybody talks about Ali Pali everyone goes oh yeah because the BBC used to broadcast from there so for me that is the big thing is the coat of arms enough though I don't know I want to win it you see I want to win it you do don't you I'm not Before in it just all. I'm not in it just for, for the laughs here I'm in it to win it do I go for that I think it's a really yeah, good yeah I go one, for that see. yeah you think it's go what? for it I think it's a really good one. Okay, I'm going to go for that. I'm going to go for the coat of arms with the little lightning bolts on it, yeah. which remind us of the fact that it was the BBC broadcast uh, mast thingy. That's, that's okay. snappy, isn't it? <laughs> that is snappy, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what I'm going to go for. Because for me, it's all about, it's all about the, uh, the broadcasting. You know, well, stuff the there we go, everybody. Those are your picks for the pedestal. Are you going to go what, for the coat of arms or are you going to go for the airship? No. Coat of arms, coat of arms. Airship, airship, This is subliminal messaging. I mean, it's not that subliminal, it's just me. Airship. <laughs> just breathing into the, that's just, that's into just the microphone creepy. there. <laughs> Amazing. Well, that is um, it for this week's ep- well for this week's topic. But before we do that, um, do we have any parish notices at all? Um, I don't think I do this week. Let me see. Do I have any this week? Um, the next walking tours that I'm doing is the 13th of March, which is the Sunday, the 13th of March at 11 a.m. It is Harlots. And we've already got about half a group for that. So there's still some, a few spaces left. Um, Harlots on the 13th of March. And then after that, it won't be for a couple of weeks. So that is basically because I haven't put anything in the diary. I will put some more in. But Harlots on the 13th of March. Come along. It'll be fun. Perfect. Very nice. The Wheel of Destiny. Spin time. All right, my time. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was about to say goodbye. Um, 
Spinderella. Spinderella. Do you remember Spinderella? Spin, spin, sugar. Um, okay, where do you want it to land? I'll get Debbie McGee to make sure she puts it in the right position. Oh, sorry, Debbie. I want something to do with Women's History Month. So somewhere, I mean, to be fair, I can pick a woman anywhere, but somewhere that's nice and good for a woman. I've got a little list, so carry on. Okay. <clears throat> right, Debbie, off you go. <laughs> she only comes out once a week. Give her a biscuit later. Um, oh, it's Westminster. Oh, okay. Oh, plenty of women around there. Let me just have a look at my list. Who have we got in Westminster? Oh, we've got someone interesting buried in Westminster Abbey who I've been meaning to look at. Uh, a lady called Afra Ben. Do you know anything about Afra Ben? I know a little bit. Just a little teeny bit. A little teeny bit. Afra Ben. She, um... She doesn't often feature in my Westminster Abbey tour just because she's in the cloister and by the time we get there, most people either want to kill me or themselves um, or get to the toilet. So I don't mention her that often, but I would like to actually know a little bit more about her. So I'm going to pick her um, because I want to get a bit more knowledge about Afro Ben. Hmm. There we go. Afro Ben it is. Fabulous. Afro Ben it is. Great. Well, thank you for a lovely week, Alex. Thank you. Lovely week. <laughs> a lovely uh, session. What are we calling this these days? Podcast. Podcast, that's it. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Chats. That was a lot of fun. And we'll be back next week with a little bit of Women's History Month. But for now, have a fabulous week, everybody. Stay safe. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Lots of love. Bye. Lots of love.